everyone. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. We hope that you find encouragement today as you listen. Just want to share a couple thoughts briefly uh, this morning on, uh, on this story. And I want, to, I want to come at it from a little bit different angle, okay? Um, in fact, my message today is entitled Christmas Service. Now, this is what we call our annual Christmas service. The kids participate and some really special songs, and I love the Christmas hymns, and we'll be doing this again on Christmas Eve, not, not quite like this, but we have a candlelight. We invite you all to come. Uh, I think one of these years we're going to have to have two services on Christmas Eve because it's just a fast-growing service, but and someone asked, well, that mean we don't have a Christmas uh, service next Sunday? Yeah, we'll be here next Sunday, but this is that week, because of the traveling that occurs with families, we like to have this so all the kids can be here that week before the last Christmas or Sunday before Christmas, okay? So yeah, we'll have Sunday service next week, but this is what we call our Christmas service, and the title of my message this morning is Christmas Service. Now, it's going to be a little bit of a play on words because the first Christmas was filled with those who selflessly served, okay? And so let's just start out with Mary. Um, and we, we saw a little bit of what Mary was all about there. But look at this scripture in Luke chapter 1. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, that's her aunt Elizabeth, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. Mary's aunt Elizabeth, okay? I don't think I made that clear. And it's, look at this, it says, uh, and Joseph was a descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Uh, now, uh, the scriptures go on to say that Mary was troubled. He was troubled by the greeting. He was, she was, I should say, she was troubled by the announcement. She was taken aback a little bit. Um, uh, you who are highly favored, she's probably thinking, what's coming next? I never had an angel come into my room. This is really bizarre. And the angel comforted her. He said, you don't have to be afraid. Uh, you found favor with God. So that kind of brought some comfort to, to, uh, to Mary. But then comes the bombshell. And here it is. Are you ready? You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So this is this messianic statement. See, the Jewish people for hundreds of years had longed for a Messiah, a great king to come and to deliver them from literally centuries of, of, of foreign uh, uh, just oversight and uh, uh, bondage to all these great nations that had been coming in and out of Israel for four, five, six, seven hundred years. And they're looking for a deliverer. And this is what this scripture is saying. This son that's going to be born is going to be a Messiah. He's going to be uh, a deliverer. And uh, Mary's response, a little colorful and maybe not quite the way the scriptures say, but it was very, uh, very enjoyable this morning. But I'd, I'd like for you to put yourself in Mary's sandals for a second. What would your response be to an angelic visit? Uh, her, her first response is, how can this be? I'm not married. I'm a virgin. How can I have a child? And, uh, and the angel said he's going to be, uh, this is going to be one of those, those divine God things. This is one of those moments where, you know, heaven's going to open up. And uh, we saw that in the Old Testament as we were studying John, where angels literally came down to, to Jacob and visited him in a, in a dream. And he had this encounter. And uh, this is like where heaven's open and God comes down and he's going to do something supernatural with you, Mary. And the Holy Spirit and the power of God's going to come on you. Now, you talk about an angelic encounter. 
This is over the top, isn't it? And now, what, what would your response have been? How, how do you think Mary would have responded? Uh, uh, maybe, hey, can I just have a couple of days to think about this? I've got to weigh out the cost of this. Because in their culture, you didn't have babies until you were married, or there was the law that said that you could be disciplined. It could even be some very harsh discipline that could come to you. And so Mary's, she's probably going, well, just pause. Let me, let me fast and pray about this. Let me have a few moments to think about this. Uh, uh, or maybe I can first run this by my fiance, Joseph. I'm sure, I'm sure he's going to want to think about this as well. Uh, or maybe she's wondering, you know, is there another option? Or maybe if this was you, you'd probably say, Hey, hey, listen, big angel person, get out of here. You know, there's the door. Uh, I'm not having any of this. This is bigger than me. You've got the wrong address. Go to another place. Uh, but Mary has this beautiful response. And this is that first amazing. Look, at I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Isn't that an amazing response for we don't know how old she is, probably in her teens, maybe her younger teenage years, but what a profound response Mary had on that first Christmas encounter. It was uh, before, obviously, Jesus' birth, but it's the preparation of Christ's amazing uh, uh, visitation to our planet, and, and her response is, I'm your Lord's servant. So that's the first sighting there of Christmas service, and she didn't fight against God. She didn't put him up on, uh, you, know, um, you know, just say pause and put him on hold while she considered the cost and said she served God by bearing the son despite the consequences. She served God giving no regard uh, to the public shame that could come with it or how it may have turned out. She faithfully, faithfully served God despite, despite the consequences. Now there's another important character. We saw him a few minutes ago and that's Joseph. Try to imagine the emotions he was feeling. He's so excited to marry Mary really excited to marry Mary. I mean, she's the fiance. Back then, they would have a, a betrothal where for maybe a period of six months or 12 months, they would be, uh, they'd kind of be considered married, but they really were engaged. It was a fancy way of saying a long engagement. And so he's engaged to Mary and uh, excited about their, their wedding and where they're going to have it. It's going to be a destination place. Is there going to be kind of Pinteresty things? You know, is there all the, all the, I'm sure he could care less. That's usually what the ladies dream about. But maybe Joseph was one of those guys who was really dreaming of his life together with Mary. And then one day, Mary starts craving dill pickles and custard, uh, fro, Culver's custard. And it's like, uh-oh, now she's getting, putting on a few pounds. Okay, Imagine this, that they're not living together. They're not having relationships, uh, you know, the uh, marital relationships. They are just still doing life separately, but betrothed, engaged. And now she's got a baby bump. And so you can only imagine what he's going through. Uh, 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 probably questions of concern, obviously betrayal. And then this happens. Um, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married, and this is Matthew's account to Joseph, but, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, the law of Moses, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, so he decided that he would just quietly divorce her. He couldn't marry her. Uh, she'd, she'd broken covenant before they'd had a covenant together, and this was a horrible thing in his mind, but I think that's kind of cool. He, he's still compassionate towards her, and he says, we can do this quietly so no harm comes to you, and then we'll figure out probably how this is all going to work out. And Joseph is, 
is probably in this time is considering his options. And it's during that time of his options being considered that he has this angelic dream and it's confirming the miracle that's at work. Don't be afraid to take Mary to be your wife. She's I like that. She's going to have a baby boy. And, and Joseph, you get to name him Jesus, which that's the Greek word for the Hebrew word Joshua or Yoshia, which means the Lord saves. And he's going to save all your people and forgive their sins. And, and now, by the way, this is happening in a dream, right? And, and he will save his people. And how did Joseph respond? You know, he didn't say, well, what about my reputation? Uh, who's going to believe this dream or this story? And I, I imagine he's almost thinking, sure, Mary gets the real angel and I get the dream. Don't you think there's something wrong with that? Shouldn't Joseph have gotten the real angel and Mary have gotten the dream? Because it was going to happen. And, you know, it's, it's, I mean, he needed something really real, not just, you know, hey, I ate a, a, a bad pizza the night before and I was dreaming. You know, I mean, your dreams can come from, have you ever followed your dream? Have you ever based your life's future and made your decisions on a dream? I'll talk to you later about that. I have never done that. I dreamt all last night, and I don't know what was going on. I had quite a day yesterday, traveled to a wedding I did. It was really exciting, a lot of celebration. But I, every time I was waking up, to, I, was, I was dreaming all night, and I can't tell you one thing that I dreamt about. I just woke up and go, what was that? And I just fell back to sleep. I would never base my fear. It would have to be, it would have to be a, a very, um, how should I say it, uh, a powerful dream for me to, or for you, to base uh, your future upon it. And, De and Joseph had that, and uh, he, uh, he was willing to risk his reputation on that dream. In fact, look at this. I love, I love how this goes. When Joseph woke, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Wow. He didn't ponder what the angel said. He didn't call his local rabbi and say, what do you think I should do? How do you think I should navigate through this? Instead, he did just as the Lord commanded, despite the adversity he would face from marrying her already pregnant. What an amazing servant Joseph was on that first Christmas. That's our second servant sighting. And then there's a third one, and we saw them in our story this morning, in our video story, and that was the wise men, the magi. Um, they were witnesses uh, uh, to an astronomical anomaly, I put I called it that this morning. I mean, it was something that was outrageous beyond belief in the heavens. And what did they do? I mean, they see this thing happening in the West, this sign, something they've never seen. These guys were probably uh, astronomers and scientists of their day, and they load up their camels and their expensive gifts, and they head west, and they end up in Jerusalem. Now, likely, they were from the land of Persia. The Bible doesn't tell us hardly anything about these guys except that they traveled, and they were following something in the skies, something supernatural, and that when they got to to Jerusalem, uh, they, they encountered a, a king that was wigged out and whacked out, and he was, uh, he was a killer. And so the Holy Spirit was, is directing them, and they're being warned in dreams as well. But uh, the, the thing is, is they probably came from uh, ancient Persia, modern-day Babylon. It's where Daniel in the Bible, you, there's a book in the Old Testament called Daniel, he spent 70 years of his life there being raised up and being used in a powerful way as a... Uh, as a, uh, someone who was extracted from Israel, not by choice, but a prisoner of war, so to speak. And he was raised as a young man, as a young child, a boy, to uh, old age he died there. But he was filled with a prophetic gift and also great, great wisdom. And I kind of think 
that uh, Daniel's prophetic and scholarly, scholarly gifts may have left an impact on their scientific culture. And so when you fast forward a few hundred years, several hundred years, by five, six, seven maybe it is, 700 years, I'm trying to remember my history there, that there's people over in Persia still looking for some of the things that, that, that uh, was introduced to them through, uh, through Daniel and his revelation of the God of Israel and the God of all creation. Whatever the reason, again, they loaded up and they traveled and they came in search of the one who is born the king of the Jews. Now that's just not a small thing. The one born king of the Jews. I mean, they were looking for, again, that Messiah, the one, capital O, capital N, capital E. There's no one bigger or badder than this one. This is the answer and that enough to get them uh, uh, traveling hundreds of miles in difficult conditions. And, and the prophecies pointed to Bethlehem, so they end up here. And this is what it says on coming to the house. They saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The gifts were very valuable. They were of great value. And also, their journey would have been costly as well with time and travel. And then I like, what, uh, I like what verse 12 says here. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. I think that's interesting. Uh, the obedience. Everybody's getting dreams, aren't they? And the gifts and, 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 and the story on that first Christmas is one of faithful servitude and surrender to the Lord's leading through the lives of these um, wise men, these magi from the east. And finally... And there's other faithful servants in this Christmas narrative um, in both the Gospel, Luke, as well as Matthew. But let's look at the shepherds this morning. And in verses, uh, uh, chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. The nearby are the hills in Judea, around surrounding Bethlehem. Bethlehem, today you can go to Bethlehem. It's about five, between five and seven miles, I believe, from Jerusalem, okay? It's, it's believed that, that uh, the shepherds there were mostly raising sheep for the religious um, um, ceremonies and the ceremonial worship that took place in the temple. There was an existence there in Jerusalem, Judaism, the sacrificial system. So they were raising uh, lambs and selling them, and that was their role. These shepherds were mostly kept outside of the religious loop. In fact, they were kind of the bottom of the cultural barrel, so to speak, all right? Contrary to what we studied a couple of weeks ago, the, the value of shepherd that we see in the Old Testament, whether it's Abraham or Isaac or Jacob or the great King David who was a shepherd or God being depicted uh, uh, and kind of uh, defined as a good shepherd. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You see, uh, by this time, by the time of Christ's birth, shepherds were kind of at the very bottom of the pace scale. In fact, there's some... There's some uh, belief that they weren't even allowed, they're considered dirty and unclean and weren't even allowed to worship in the synagogues. And so, uh, but they encountered Christ in a powerful way. And these shepherds, uh, uh, they, 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 uh, they, they encountered an angelic visitation. I want you to see this, okay? Uh, in fact, Luke records it this way. He says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. I love that phrase. And by the way, here's just a quick FYI. If you're longing for an angelic visit, brace yourself. 
every time I see it in the Bible, it usually knocks people to the ground, right? Have, haven't we seen like three terrified responses to these? You're always wanting a, an, some kind of an angelic, just pause before you ask God for that because you might wet yourself. I don't know. Uh, yeah, that's what I said. That's what I'm imagining, you know? But, but good news I like it. Always brings great joy. And this was the goodest news. This was the greatest news. And there was joy everywhere. And that's the, this is the third Sunday in Advent. And if we had our, our wreath up here today, it would be a pink candle and it would represent joy. And I'll tell you what, when news like this hits the ears, it brings great joy. And the angels announced Jesus' birth in Bethlehem. And uh, the sign would be that a baby would be wrapped in like strips of cloth and lying in a manger. You saw it. They knocked on a lot of doors in the neighborhood and uh, they did find a place for them to be. And look at here. Here's what it says. When the angels had left, left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph, the baby, who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about uh, the child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Now, can you imagine listening to shepherds who you just normally didn't listen to shepherds? And now they're running around kind of saying, you'll never believe what we saw in Bethlehem last week or last month or last year. I'm sure after about year three, people are going, yeah, yeah, you've said that. You, you know, we didn't believe you then and we don't believe you now, but uh, they had great news and they had amazing, amazing great news uh, that, that had lifted their joy and they obeyed God. They left their sheep. I mean, they didn't, they would have had hundreds of sheep or dozens and dozens of sheep. And by the way, they didn't bring them into the manger. We, we see the little picture of, we don't know if there's any sheep in the manger. We'll just say maybe they brought one or two of them. But fact is they left. And you don't leave sheep alone. There's some consequences to that. They obeyed. Sheep, we've talked about, they'll just go places they're not supposed to go. If they're without a shepherd, it's scary. But they left and they went and they obeyed regardless of the consequences. And they followed the Lord's leading because he wanted them present at that first Christmas. Social outcasts were invited to the greatest birthday party ever. That's where I fit into the story. I'm, I'm not... I don't come from royal lineage, do you? Are there any, are they billionaires here? No, I don't think so. We're just kind of regular people. And they were just regular people. They were probably below regular people. And the least of all, these shepherds witnessed the arrival of the greatest of all. And that's the Lord Jesus. Don't you just love how God works? And he still works that way. I'm going to invite the worship team up this morning. We're going to close with a song in a minute. But see, that's still the way the Lord works in our lives. It's still the way God works throughout the earth. You don't have to be a wealthy Republican or a wealthy Democrat or an independent, or you don't have to be of royal lineage. You don't have to be somebody who was born on the right side of the tracks. In fact, God loves to go to the wrong side of the tracks to rescue humanity, to grab our hearts and to pull us dear and near to him. And that's, that's the beautiful story of Bethlehem. And I think you, we, just, we see this, they obeyed God and this is an opportunity we have today as well. Um, and, 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 and just, I think if I could sum it all up, the spirit of serving. You, you probably never thought about this. We call this a Christmas service. And the spirit of serving permeated. It soaked that first Christmas. We could talk about others in the Christmas story and narrative. And all of them who encountered God in a profound way, they responded. Because servitude is basically 
responding to God's leading, to his voice, to his prompting, the prompting of the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this beautiful message that's been shown to us in some very colorful ways today. Thank you for your word, and thank you for the power of your spirit that allows for your word to come alive in our hearts. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, check out our website at www.ridway.church.